0: your
1: inside pass to everything saints football we'll take you to the places most fans never go to practice to the sideline
0: to the locker room following every twist
1: I the ball. turn Picks and touchdown is over. of the 2022 season it is
0: going to be covered by the saints for a touchdown
1: Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Oh
0: baby! Welcome in Saints fans. It is Tuesday afternoon. The Saints are one zero. The Falcons are still the Falcons. And we're going to kind of dive in to a lot from that game. You know, we're going. We had a couple of days to digest it. Now we're going to react to it. I am Jeff Noack, WWL Digital Sports Producer, and obviously host of this program. As you know, you haven't heard his voice. You haven't seen him on the YouTube channel. The last couple of podcasts, Steve Geller is feeling under the weather. So, you know, send Steve your well wishes. He's he's uh, he's bedridden today. Uh, hopefully, we can get him back later in the week. For uh, you know, he's he's questionable. You know, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if he can he can shake that tag and get back. But for today, I do have a special guest coming in. The back half of the show, or the second and third segment of the show, we have Mike Haas, the voice of the Saints, who, uh, you know, he had a heck of a time calling that bizarre game that felt like it ended five different times. We're going to talk about, you know, his standouts on offense, his standouts on defense, you know, what he thinks about this team going forward, facing the Bucks. You know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for that. It's going to come after the first commercial break. But in this first segment, I'm going to fly solo here and... I'm going to kind of do a live film study of, you know, I clipped all of Jameis Winston's throws and we're going to kind of go through it. So this is live on the YouTube channel. If you're listening, it might seem a little strange, but we're just going to see how it goes. We're going to see if anyone likes it. If it's unsuccessful, you know, we'll try something else. If it's successful, maybe this is something we can do every week. Either way, let's kind of get it going. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, I wish I could see this. I wish I could watch the tape. Go check out our YouTube channel. It's WWL Sports. ring the bell, you know, we it's we're still kind of figuring out the schedule so it is a little a little all over the place in terms of when we record and how we do this but we're going to try to nail down a more regular recording time recording days so that you can keep up with both the podcast on the on the on the audio apps and the podcast on the YouTube um but let's get this started before we get into this I did want to I did want to highlight what Dennis Allen said about the offensive line specifically because Coming out of that game, you know, I was loud saying, you know, this was awful. This was awful blocking. This was awful protection. You know, I I give Jameis a lot of credit for avoiding turnovers and not, you know, making bad decisions because he was under duress. Um, But, you know, I think going over the tape, we did see him miss a few throws, miss a few reads. Um, I think he got happy feet a little bit because because the pressure was so intense at times. And uh, you know, I think he got—he's going to get better. I think he, there was a little rust involved on both the pass catcher and the quarterback side, um, but we're going to get into that. But this is what Dennis Allen had to say.
1: You know, actually, I thought the pass protection was actually pretty solid overall. We had a couple of—we uh, had a couple of—you know—miscues in terms of—you know—identifying on the protection, um, and there was a couple of plays where maybe we a little deep in the pocket, maybe we held on to it a little bit. I mean. Um, there's a, Here's the thing, when you talk about pass protection, uh, there's a there's a ton of different variables that, that, that go into it. And, and typically the first thing is everybody starts to talk about the offensive line and things of that nature, but um, there's a lot of different elements that are involved in that. Receivers running the proper route at the right depth, quarterback getting to the right depth, getting rid of the ball, uh, backs and protection. So there's a lot of different things that go involved in that. Um, I don't think we were as clean as we needed to be um, early in the game, uh, particularly in the first half. Uh, but I felt like, you know, as the game went on, I thought we got a little bit better.
0: So yeah, I think there's a few things going on there. One, the protection is a way more complex thing than just saying, okay, you five guys go and block those four guys, and it's all going to work out. The quarterback's going to stand back there, he's going to throw it. You know, the the there's complex blitz schemes there's communication that has to happen you have to know who you're going to double team you have to know who's going to pass off who to who the running back needs to know where he's picking up the blitz what lane he's responsible for the quarterback has to be setting that he has to be identifying the mic he has to be identifying where the hot route is where the blitzers are coming from where the pressure is coming from if you are overloaded anywhere he needs to set that protection and i think when you saw this the offensive line struggle the way that it did a lot of those things did not go right. So it's, it's more than just saying, okay, this offensive line is overmatched. They don't have anything. Right. So I, I, I I appreciate what he said there. And I think Dennis Allen is correct. I also think it does not behoove a coach to throw its offensive line under the bus after week one. Right. And the, the quarterback is always going to be the most put upon in terms of responsibility and so that's where you're going to center your critique, and that's James is going to accept that, right? He's going to say, you know, I could have done more, and and, and I think there were there were elements when you go back through it, you'll see that. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a lot of it. Caesar Weeze needs to be better in one on one matchups, and I think that you're going to see them kind of shift a little more of the help his way. But you know, it's it's not it's never good when you have to do that. Uh, so hopefully, this was kind of a one game anomaly and what we saw in the preseason starts to show a little more for him, but either way, um, let's kind of get into the plays. This is the first pass of the game. And what you're going to see a lot of here is bluffed cover two. So when you're talking about cover two, you have two deep safety. So you're going to bluff middle of the field open. But in reality, you Jameis saw a lot of cover three and cover one, the middle of the field closed, which forces you to, to, have to attack the top and the bottom here. You can use you can use sevens. You can get to the edge, um, but when it's cover three, you know you're really limited in what you can do in over the top. But it does allow for a lot of options in the middle of the field. And I think in this game in particular, you saw Jameis um, struggle to identify the late change in the secondary. And it's not something that he can't do. He did it much better later in the game. It's just first game of the year, you didn't get many preseason reps. You know, he only played he hadn't he hasn't played since week 7, week 8 of last year, and I think he's had some rust and the reads were a little slow. Um and you'll see that in a lot of these situations. There's there are people open here. Right? there's there's space here. This throw can be made. Michael Thomas is open. But as you can see someone gets through, you do have a rush and you know, he's not able to kind of take that time in the pocket. And this is where when you see this happening over and over again, this is where later in the game, you know, there's really not a ton you could have got done here. You could have made a very difficult throw. He pulled it down and he ran with it. And you can be critical of Jameis for, you know, maybe being a little slow on reads and maybe being a little off target on throws. But I think this is this play is an example of, you know, everyone tells me I'm this turnover machine, everyone tells me that I make all these terrible decisions. And I'm just going to eat this ball and pick up three, four, five yards on the ground because it does not make sense to take a risky throw at this point in the game. At this point, it's zero-zero. You know, you're you're just trying to make positive strides. And I think this was the smart move. But when you when you spend the entire game on the run, you know, it starts to it starts to impact you. Um, so you know, we don't need to look too much at this one. So we'll go to the next play. Again, so You can see there's no disguise here, but it is some cover one. Um, And you can tell it's cover one because you have man on the outside. You get pressure in really early. You know, he's not able to kind of survey, go through his reads. This wasn't a great throw, but this is a very difficult throw. You know, you you have to keep it outside because if you leave this ball inside, you know, it's going to get taken to the house, right? So you have to be careful there. And see, the only place you can deliver the ball is right here. You know, this is a tight end. He's DeJuan Johnson. He's an athletic tight end, but he's still a tight end. So, you know, you the expectation is he can go get it. You know, it wasn't a perfect throw. This is the second pass of the game. And, you know, it's a situation where I think you're trying to avoid turnovers. Got play action here. This was the first pass to Michael Thomas that, you know, it kind of looked like they're a little off. You know, Mike's coming out of his break. And Jameis has already thrown the ball, right? He gets a, he gets a lot of contact here you know he's fighting through it and it's a situation where this is where the defense is trying to throw you off your timing he's trying to kind of make you have to adjust in real time and i think that down the road as you see these two guys and even in this game play more together you'll get a better they'll get a better kind of read of okay this is where he's trying to he's trying to beat man press coverage and so you need to give him a little, just an extra beat to do that, but in this instance, the ball is thrown before he's able to kind of turn and locate it. The ball's already out of Jameis' hands, and you want to throw with anticipation, but you need to allow the receiver to get there, and this is what he didn't do here. You know, this is a high ball. He could have caught it, but you need to, if you're Jameis, you have protection here, and you want to just give him that chance to kind of set, and he wasn't able to do that, and you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you want to get the ball out there in time. You don't want to be late. You know, later in the season, I don't think he misses that throw. Um, later in the game, he didn't miss that throw. Again, more cover one, right? Or more more single high, safety, you know, middle of the field closed. So you got to do something on the edges. This is an example. You know, as Dennis Allen pointed out, your protection is not just protection, right? Sometimes the receivers don't do their job right. Sometimes the running back doesn't do their job right. And they hold the ball longer than you want to. This is an example of, I don't know what the heck happened here, but I can assure you they did not design this play for Mike Thomas and Marquez Calloway to be running right next to each other <laughs> down the field. But that's what you have happen here. Like this, this is not a play design. You do not design plays for two pass catchers to be within two yards of each other down the field, right? And so if this is where you're considering going with the ball, if you're getting pressure and you're trying to get the ball out, this is not even an option. So you are here looking at Taysom and uh, I think that might be Landry. And so one of those guys messed up, (laughs) right? One of these two players is not supposed to be here. And I would guess it's Callaway because I think what this play is trying to do, use kind of that natural rub and that leverage to get Callaway to the post, and then Thomas coming in underneath him so that you might clear that space and have a, and have a free shot. And you can tell this is where Jameis is looking. That's where he wants to go. Somebody screwed up. Anyway, so you, you can't really do what you were trying to do because there was a mistake in, in the wide receiver room, right? So the protection isn't perfect, but you're holding the ball longer than you want to because there was a mistake downfield. And so that's tough. Moving on. Same drive. This is a blitz that wasn't picked up. You know, Jameis gets the ball out. He doesn't make a bad decision. But yeah, this is a blitz that you just didn't pick up. So you're double teaming the defensive tackle and no one picks up the <clears throat> either blitzer, right? So yeah, the, the back got caught up in this wash, right? So that's an example of, you know, someone's got to set that protection. Someone's got to ID the blitz and set your back where he needs to go. The back's also got to identify it. He's got to pick up one of these blitzers and he wasn't able to do it. You know, the other question is, okay, you know, there's a hot route here. So where was it? Right? Who are you trying to get this ball to? So you see pressure. No one's open. Right? This is this is tough. You know, so Jameis does the only thing he can and he throws it away. Another cover one or single high. Jameis dumps it off to Kamara. Um now this is something that I don't think he saw enough. You want to see more little dump offs to Kamara. I think Camara was dealing with a rib injury. I don't know when he got the injury, but it was definitely affecting him later in the game. So, you know, you, you gotta wonder how limited he was. Right, that two point conversion to Mark Ingram late in the game, uh, that seems to me like a situation you want Alvin on the field, right? In a two point conversion to tie the game, you want Alvin on the field. So I think his rib injury was definitely impacting him to the point that he couldn't play that he couldn't play to the level he wanted to in this game. It's just a question of when he got it. So this is an example of happy feet, right? So you've you've already gotten hit several times in the pocket, and James bails way too early here, and he misses a big opportunity. So this is actually, this protection is actually not terrible. Like you can step up here and you have options, right? You can either stand in the pocket and deliver a ball or you can step up and you have options. I mean, this was not a situation where there were people that were blanketed. But this is an example of, I think, you know, you're getting hit, you're getting hit, you're getting hit and you're just trying to make a play. You're trying to stay on your feet and you weren't able to do it. So this was something that I think was corrected in the second half. You know, there's no reason you're trying to run for this. You know, you let the receivers do their job. You got to pick a side, right? You either want a guy who's going to take risks in the passing game or a guy who is going to protect the ball and take calculated risks, not put the ball in harm's way. And so people are saying, oh, he needs to get the ball out faster. He needs to get the ball out faster. Well, if you want to see a guy who's going to throw a bunch of interceptions, that's great. But I think Jameis has heard from enough people telling him, you know, protect the ball, protect the ball, make better decisions. And so a better, safer decision when you have an elite defense is to eat the ball and survive, live to play another down. Um, and, then, and I think that's what a lot of this was in the first half. You know, you had good protection here for the, probably the first time all game. And he's able to find Jarvis. James Hurst pancakes a dude. Alvin leaks out and you're able to find Jarvis downfield. And I think this is what you'll end up seeing for Jameis a lot, is whatever they're showing... You're not going to see it. You're actually going to see them roll into something late. And so they're showing cover two and then, no, it's cover one. You have a clock in your head here. You have a clock in your head and that clock speeds up when you are expecting to get hit, right? He has space here. He has time. He can slide in the pocket. He can, he can extend, but he's running. He's running for his life. And, you know, you understand when, when you, when you get hit four or five times in the pocket, all of a sudden, you know that clock—whether it's a two-second clock, whether it's a two-and-a-half-second clock—shave a, two a, clock, a half second off of it because <laughs> you're just you're you're anticipating rather than kind of trusting. Um, and that's what that's what the story—the of the first half was. This is the one that um, you know when I posted it on Twitter, everyone lost their mind because this is the play that Cesar Ruiz gets kind of just annihilated by Grady Jarrett, and yeah. I think this is a uh, this is a learning moment for the Saints, where you're double teaming and helping to Andris Pete's side, uh, but you <laughs> you needed to help to Caesar's side, and I think that's something that you can you can fix you can fix that, and it'll you'll fix that by helping to Caesar Ruiz rather than Andres Pete. So this is into the second half. That was Chris Olave's catch up, and he does this little Zion walk. I don't know if you all have noticed this. Uh, he does after his touchdown too. He does this little like duck duck walk after his catches, which is like the Zion thing. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, you know this is where James is getting into a bit of a rhythm, right? He finds Chris Olave, he finds Jarvis Landry. You know he, they're they're the tempo is better. You know you're giving your offensive line a a target. You're throwing the ball, and you know they're picking up better. This was a this was an example of very good protection. So you're rushing four, and you have a stunt coming in. Alvin sees it. He picks it up. Boom. And you're able to get the ball out to Mike Thomas, right? That's that's the timing. That's the continuity. That's just the communication that you need to see. Play action down the field. You know, this is that first one that, that Jameis forced Mike to slip on. Yeah, I think somewhere Sean Payton is muttering about the wrong cleats. Um, but this is also just a bad throw by Jameis. I don't know what he was if he was trying to go back shoulder here, um, but you know it's it's not it's not the throw right. And I also think you're forcing the ball to Mike here when you shouldn't be. There's another sack. This is an example where they didn't pick up the blitz. One of these two guys has got to take the interior rusher, the inside rusher. Um, It's probably Alvin, right? You're not going to have Alvin block an end. So I think this was a this was an Alvin Kamara mix-up where James Hurst is going outside and Alvin Kamara is going inside, but you need to communicate before this play, you know, if this guy comes, who's picking him up. And, you know, that's, that's going to be on Jameis. It's going to be on Alvin. It's going to be on James. You got to communicate. You got to communicate better than that. And they just didn't. And so this guy comes in completely unblocked and uh, eats Jameis's lunch. I say that too much, but it's what happened. Like what Dennis was saying, it's, it's not just about winning one-on-one offensive line matchups. you have to be able to identify situations, get people in the right positions and block the way you need to. and they just weren't able to do that in the first three quarters of this game. Good protection. Blitz comes in late. I think this is on this one is on Mark. So look at the back. like this you're in the hole. you're where you need to be, but he doesn't see the he doesn't see the blitz. he doesn't know he's coming, right? This should get picked up. There is no reason that didn't get picked up. It's on Mark, right? It is on, it's not on the offensive line. You know, we, we see these plays and we assume the offensive line is what 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 messed up. This is just Mark Ingram not doing his job, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, he doubles down on this by making a nice play and getting downfield and then fumbling. This was one of the worst running back plays I've ever seen. I mean, the only reason he has the ball in his hands is because he he threw an O block on a blitzer he didn't see. So he's coming in to try to help on this interior rush. But you've gotta be you gotta see the blitz coming in in the gap that you're supposed to be minding, and he doesn't. And so yeah. And Jameis does a good job to get the ball to him, and then he fumbles it. You know, and and I said prior to the season that I, you know, I had concerns about Mark Ingram in that RB2 spot. If you end up having to rely on him a ton, you know, that's that's tough. 985 live. Do you think? Resigning Murray today means that Kamara might not play Sunday? I mean, I think it's possible. I don't think you re-signed Latavius because he's going to be your Alvin Kamara replacement because you could have done that a long time ago if you felt like that was the best route. But I do think it's just running back depth. And you are, you know, he's dealing with an injury. So if he misses time, you might need that extra player. But he's not going to be the guy who fills in. Mark is the guy who's going to fill in. And it's just, you know, Mark has to be better than that. Mark is a veteran, and you know you can't be missing blitz pickups and fumbling it, at a key point in the game. You know this is you're in your own territory, right? This is this was one of the worst plays I've seen in a while, and you know Marcus May kind of made it so it didn't hurt the team that much by punching the ball out in the red zone. But yeah, he's got to be better. This is a point in the game, right? You wonder so why why does Jameis get better as the game goes on? Well, a lot of the disguise that they were running in the first half is no longer effective cuz you've seen it enough times. And this time, you know he's not going to get baited by that cover 2 look and that late roll into cover 1 or cover 3. And so he he knows, okay, once Jarvis clears this kind of flat defender or this uh, low defender, he's going to have that space. And so, you know he's able to throw with anticipation that he wasn't able to in the first half and just get it up the seam, get down the four yard line and then you know this is just a okay you're gonna cover mike thomas one-on-one i'm gonna make you pay for that you know this nothing nothing complicated here it's just a fade and uh you know mike does what mike does nice throw great catch mike throws it in the stance this is the two-point conversion to Olave. and so on that drive you started with juan up the sideline then you hit Alvin for 15 yards and a little check down. You hit Jarvis up the seam down on the four yard line. You hit Mike Thomas on a fade for a touchdown. And then you hit Chris Olave for a two point conversion. Those are the five weapons that you're looking at in the preseason. You're looking at as you get on the field. You're like, these are the guys who have to make an impact. Okay. So this is the next drive. This is also a touchdown drive. Not quite as efficient, but you know, you start it with that throw to Chris Olave. It's good work. And and here's another example of you know what I think Jameis did well in the second half, particularly, was not he has happy feet a little bit. He's bouncing around, but he's doing it in a way that you know he's staying within the pocket. He's keeping his eyes downfield. He's not turning his back to his receivers. You know he's just extending a play. And uh, I think this is Jarvis that he finds here. And yeah, I mean that's that's a positive play, right? Yeah, it's just a hot route that he missed. That's fine. Get the ball out. Good protection gets it downfield. This is probably the best throw of the game that no one's talking about and the best catch. You know, again, you have cover one or you have single high, man-to-man on the outside. You know, the offensive line picks up the pressure and you're able to loft it over the top to Mike Thomas. You know, and this is where you start to see a rhythm with Jameis and Mike and you start to identify the soft spots in this coverage and that's Mike just settles in there and does a good job. It's another Jarvis Landry catch inside the 10. So, or on, on all three of the same scoring plays in the fourth quarter, Jarvis made a key catch to set them up. Uh, so he had a catch down to the four, immediately preceding Mike Thomas's first touchdown. He had a catch down to the, I think that's the eight, immediately preceding Mike Thomas's second touchdown. And he had that 40-yard catch that we're going to see here in a minute to set up that game-winning field goal. So if you were, if you had expectations for what you, know, you might have hoped for in, Jarvis Landry's first game, I think he exceeded them to to a level that you know I, I wasn't anticipating. And here's here's another you know you're going to play man to man with Mike Thomas on the outside. I'm going to make that hurt. It's a nice back shoulder throw. And you know if you can start to see these guys kind of develop that chemistry, you're going to be a lot happier with the results, and you're going to have you know less less frustrating early game performances. This is that 40 yard play, you know, and you saw all day the offensive line was struggling they're showing pressure here and you're keeping in the tight end or you pick up the rusher on the outside they don't send the blitz and you pick everybody up this is max protect and you got three guys in the in the in the route combination and for whatever reason they the safety is not working over the top on Jarvis early enough and you're able to just make that play that's just a ballsy throw in a big moment. And uh, and you got it done. This was the, this is the spike. And then so, this is the play. When I talked about Jawan, what really impressed me was, you know that that play to open the drive. So you have a tight end who can go out wide and make it make an impact um, on a go route. But then you also have a guy who can line up in the slot. And for Jameis in this moment, this is second and twenty. You need fifteen yards on this play. At minimum, if you end up at the forty, you're probably kicking it from the forty because you're going to be third down and you're going to probably clock it. If you don't, then you have to go up and run a play with a running clock, and whatever happens after that, you know, you're at the mercy of a guy getting out of bounds. Or, you know, best case scenario, you pick up the first down and then you got to get up and clock it, and you're and you're running out of time. Um, so. To have the confidence in Jawan, it's simple. You know, he's just going to come up the seam and kind of break under. And this is where Jameis finds him. To You wondered all the off offseason, you know, what kind of impact Jawan Johnson could make. Can he get better? Can he be a more reliable tight end? You know, we know he can catch the ball. We know he's a talented pass catcher. He's got to be a tight end. And I think that's where he was lost a bit last year, where he was still kind of finding his way. But this is just a great route. He uses his body to shield the defender. And, you know, you get right where you need to be. And that set up that final um, kick by Will Lutz. And it was just a great moment, a great way to finish a game, even though it kind of got away from at the end with the spike and the and the – well, both spikes I think were mistakes. I think the second spike – again, right after that play, you spiked it. And uh, I don't think you wanted to. I think you wanted to run some clock. Um, but that was for a game to start that badly, um, for a quarterback. And, you know, I think after four drives, he had more rushing yards than passing yards. I think he had eight rushing yards and seven passing yards. You don't usually see that type of turnaround in game. You see that from quarterbacks that don't get rattled, right? You don't, you don't have that viral clip of Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, right? So. You know, you want to see a guy start better. You want to, I think if you have concerns about Jameis at this point, it's not about interceptions. I'm so tired of hearing about interceptions. What you saw in this game was, you know, almost an over hesitance, but he's not putting the ball in danger. So we can stop talking about 30 interceptions. I don't need to hear about interceptions from four seasons ago. Um, but you know, you want to see him identify protections and set protections better than he has. And I think last year. You probably had an easier time of doing that with Teron, a guy who you trust to relay information and to, to make sure you're on the right page. This year, you don't have that, right? I think McCoy is an excellent player. I think he's going to, he helps greatly in that regard. But I think that's where the learning curve is for this offensive line, for this quarterback, for these running backs, is finding a way to communicate after not having Drew Brees. Not, now you don't have Sean Payton. Now you don't have Teron Armstead. So people have to step up and do that. And I think, that's what you want to see change uh, heading into week two. All right, y'all, that's going to be it for that segment. Stick around on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to be joined by voice of the Saints, Mike Haas, who's filling in for Steve Geller today. We're going to break down some of that craziness that happened at the end of the game with spikes and pack and, and penalties and zero seconds turning into two seconds and all this all this nonsense. Uh, he saw it firsthand as he called the game alongside Deuce McAllister. Stick around for that on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts.